Hello and welcome to Movie Magpies. Today we'll be reviewing Sicario. I'm Monique, here with my co-host Will. Let's just get right into it. Excellent. So, for people who don't know, who people who haven't watched this film, uh, what's Sicario about? Well, the Netflix summary of Sicario is an FBI agent takes part in an undercover operation targeting a Mexican drug lord, but her ethics are challenged when the sting crosses the line. What I would describe this as is a very morally grey movie that makes you think about sort of whether there are really good guys in a given situation. Oh yeah, absolutely, and I think it's this is probably the perfect time to just talk straight the story. So the story there is... As the hint suggested last time, there are no good guys necessarily, but there are definitely very bad, bad guys. And yeah, I think there yeah. are no true good guys, only very bad guys, maybe. Maybe, yeah. And, <laughs> and I really like that because ultimately our main character, played by Emily Blunt, who does an amazing job as Kate Mesa, she's an FBI agent and she's very much by the book in this whole film. And I find that really interesting because she's contrasted to characters like Josh Brolin's Matt Graver and Benicio Del Toro's Alejandro Gillick, who are all more more experienced in this world. And as a result, they come off as far more abrasive in their handling of the situation. I actually have only seen this movie the one time, which is, of course, us watching it for the podcast. But I really, really liked it. Yeah. Even while we were watching, I remember discussing with Will, and I think one of my comments was, I'm not going to have nearly as many notes this week <laughs> just because I can't look away from the screen. Like, there's yeah. so much happening. I don't want to miss anything. Which speaks to what I think I wanted to ask you about, which is, yes. what do you think of the visual storytelling in this movie? So the visual storytelling I'll start with, so much of this film is narrated through the visual style and there is so much visual storytelling in this film where if you're not paying attention to it then you'll miss stuff and you'll start to get disoriented very quickly so to its credit so much is not said it's shown and I think that's incredible this film does so much with what's presented in front of you no character really provides exposition for any long periods of time as a result the dialogue is actually quite fluid and human in that you rarely have situations where characters are explaining what's going on to another character in the scene so that the audience know what's going on you're given visual cues and then if you don't get those then that's all you get and i think this is very much a denis villeneuve style in that he wants to show as much as he can so that you can build a story visually. And this movie does that incredibly. The second arc to that is that this movie, though quite confronting to watch, and we should have said, just quick warning for graphic depictions of violence, nudity, and Josh Brolin's toes, but this film is, though quite graphic, it is incredibly beautiful. And that's because, I don't want to say this without coming off as just a huge fanboy, but... You're going to come off as a huge fanboy I'm no matter come off what you as a huge fanboy, yeah. The... Director of photography is, of course, Roger Deakins, who is, I think, understandably one of the best modern cinematographers film has ever had. As a result, there is so much painstaking effort into making this entire film look visually pleasing or visually beautiful. Hmm, yeah, it's 
even I know that we've said that there's warnings for graphic depictions of violence and a little bit of nudity, but I found personally as someone who is a little like that person that flinches at every sort of gore or pain moment on screen, there's only sort of two scenes where I don't think that the violence and graphic images are tasteful and the rest of them I think they're so you're sort of eased into the scene. Yeah, I and suppose they, they would be the way that I say it. You, and they serve agree? a purpose. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think it's only like the two very early scenes that I had an issue That's with. Fair. One being the opening scene of the movie because it did in fact jump scare me. And as someone who gets very jittery very easily, that kind of put me on edge for a long while. I couldn't trust the film a hundred percent. And then it was just in that scene where it did jump scare me in fact in that one arc of the film i guess you could say there yeah. were a couple specific shots in that sort of first opening moment where i was a bit uncomfortable with the graphics but other than that i found it to be relatively okay in the way that it eased you in and all of the sort of graphic depictions of violence that are used are like you said, will used for a purpose. Yeah, they're they're not just put in there to make the movie action-packed or Gratuitous. to make it look cooler. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. and I was going to say, I'm someone who's very much not squeamish to, to visual gore. I will admit that the first opening scene, so this isn't really a spoiler because it happens in the first three minutes. I think I even remarked on that. But that first time I watched this through, and I've watched this through many, many times first time I watched it through it was quite difficult to look at because it is it is it's gore and you're not used to it yet once you actually get climatized to it then it actually all starts to make sense and it all flows thematically but I would definitely say this is not the kind of film that you would watch while eating as well I think that's just a perfect kind of warning just don't watch this while you're eating dinner Funnily enough, I did in fact make that mistake because when we started watching this film, I was actually still finishing my dinner. And so we're in the like first three minutes of the film and I'm like quickly trying to finish, you know, like the last mouthfuls of my dinner. And that scene came up and I was like, hmm, maybe I'll just put this to the side for now. (laughs) Yeah, it's very much that kind of way. And I would say, of course, just due to the, I guess, suddenness of the opening of the film, it is one of those ones where with the rest of the film you are, pretty much eased into the violence and you can see it coming from a mile away but with those first couple of shots especially in that first three to five minutes it is definitely a shock like it's not eased in in any way it's definitely just put on screen for you to deal with as well which uh, of course makes it a little more confronting in the moment yeah absolutely i think that a great deal of this film with those two instances of gore it very much takes this story route where a lot of this film is quite morally dark morally questionable quite difficult to stay like stay on side with because your your main protagonists aren't necessarily the good guys but they're doing what they can to ensure that the drug cartel don't get through into america basically so they have a goal they have an end goal how they're doing it is a little gray and murky but then it's also to combat this unseen enemy as i've written in my notes that you never you rarely get to see the enemy at first and it's unnerving because it almost feels as if the the protagonists are fighting against something that they 
can't see but are doing everything they can to counteract it. Mm, mm-hmm. And all done through visual storytelling, which is in- incredibly interesting to consider when you also know that this film is two hours and one minute long, so as long as Joker, but it manages to do such a good job of telling the story in a visual way that you're spent just glued to the screen watching it through, Mm -hmm. and I think that's just a testament to the writing, it's a testament to the cinematography, the, the framing of the film is always purposeful and incredibly cleverly done yeah i will say because the dialogue is so sparse it is quite impactful it never feels stilted there's not a lot of words needed to show what's happening but on the flip side of that it is one that i think would need a rewatch so definitely recommend watching this one but i also recommend possibly re-watching it just because there is so much visual storytelling that even if you are glued to the screen i ended up possibly to the annoyance of Will pausing the movie every time I wanted to write a note just because otherwise you miss so much if you even look away for a second. You look down to grab your drink or whatever and look back up as you're taking a sip and you're already on a completely different visual scene and it's really well done. They pack a lot of information into the visuals but it just means that this movie is more appreciated on a rewatch because you can just gleam that extra bit of information already having the knowledge of what's happening in the story so it becomes a little easier to pick out all of those small details yeah well what i was going to say was actually that the incredible value of this film is not so much in its rewatch value though the rewatch value is great i think the the interesting thing about this film is that its value comes both from its first viewing and that the fact that it continues to have rewatch value because I think we can't praise the visual storytelling enough, but it's almost this foundation for the film that allows other sections of the film to really thrive because because it's been done so well. Mm-hmm. Like, specifically with the dialogue, the dialogue is quite minimal, but it's always it always feels more real and more, well, more personal between characters. And that's because so, uh, so little of the time is spent providing exposition in the dialogue that the people that the characters can just talk to each other as if they're real people and not actors acting next to each other and i find that really it's weird that because ultimately we watch many many films within our lifetime but it's really refreshing to see that kind of style of dialogue where it's just so natural. I think a lot of people might, in fact, be thrown off by the dialogue in this. Yeah, sure. Because I know for a fact that I was, for the first couple of sentences that were said, just because you're so used to a lot of things being given through exposition or dialogue these days, like a lot of movies do it. Yeah. It's very common to have at least one character that's a mentor type that tells you it's what's going like on. It's almost like it's a crutch in some yeah. sense. Yeah. Like, it's it's very refreshing to watch a movie where that doesn't happen. But also in the first thought, for a second I was like, wow, they're being really mean to each other. And then mm. I was like, oh no, they're just joking around because they're friends. But there are a few moments where if you're not expecting the dialogue to be as natural as it is, you almost do a 180 with your thoughts for a second where you're like, oh, this was... Oh, no, it's natural. That's what's happening. And it was a bit of a a funny sort of flip in the brain where we're so used to exposition and very, like, long-winded dialogue that the second that the dialogue feels more natural, your brain goes, hang on, 
what's this? Yeah, and in a kind of flip side to the dialogue, I wanted to also, in this point, talk about the composition, the soundtrack and the sound composition, because that's also quite minimalistic, but is used so beautifully and masterfully that mm. it, it only enhances the visual narrative. And I think in the film, in this two-hour film, an actual soundtrack is only really used th three or four times. Mm -hmm. And it's it's used to really ramp up the sense of tension within the more anxiety-inducing and high-tension sections of the film. Mm -hmm. I think one of the things that I think was really, really well done in the movie was the use of sound. I think the first time I noticed the sound, you're sort of getting this pan shot of, I think it's an airport, I can't remember exactly, and there's this... To me, it's what I like to call shark music. It's well, not probably actually, a good idea. No, here's the thing. I'm genuinely so glad that you said that because specifically, the music is inspired by the tension-inducing strings of Jaws. <laughs> so it's it's perfect that you brought that up because... Yeah, I was going to say. It's, yeah, it's based on... Well, not based on. It's inspired by Jaws to induce tension and, that and sort anxiety. of more yeah. stringy tension building Jaws yeah. music. But what I really love about it is that it starts quietly and then like ramps up in composition almost as it sort of plays along. So at first you're like, oh, I'm getting a bit tense. And then you're like, oh, that music's been playing. Yeah. It, um, yeah. So they, it, they really ease it in. They don't just sort of hard cut into any sounds, which I quite enjoy. And the one or two times they do hard cut into a couple sounds... Um, I think as, like I said at the start, I got a bit jump scared by the sort of first five minutes. Yeah. And then they do it once more in another part of the film, but because the tension has been sort of um, grown so well, you're expecting a loud noise and it doesn't jump scare you as much because you know there's going to be, of course, they're police, they're using guns, you know there's going to be a loud noise. Yes. It builds this presence within the film that its position in the film is... A small one. It doesn't show up often in most blockbuster films. You would have a continuous soundtrack constantly showing up and continuing throughout the film. But this one shows up very rarely and very sparsely. And it's not subtle. I think when the soundtrack is brought in or introduced, you notice it straight away. But it's used minimally, but to great effect. I think if it had a consistent soundtrack, the sense of tension would just not be the same. Exactly. And I think subtle, yeah, might have been the wor wrong word to use. I guess a better word to use would be gradual. Yeah, The that's use perfect. of sound in this movie is very gradual, yeah. which works really well because you're immediately noticing that the music is there. And because it is shark music, as I am going to call it sure. the rest of time, you can't stop me. <laughs> it... It, it really does immediately elicit that tension in you and it gradually builds that sound as the tension builds. It's a really dynamic way of using music that I haven't seen, I don't think, in a movie before. Yeah, no, I completely agree. This use of sound in this film is just so well done that it, it almost stands out amongst other films of its type because it's so minimal but still hits all the right marks but then also onto something a little different but that also hits the right points 
the performances of all the lead cast are, are solidly incredible because everyone plays their parts perfectly to the point mm. where it's so believable that they are these characters in this world as opposed to filling a role. Yeah, especially with Emily playing Kate, it was super interesting to see because obviously she's quite a well-known name at this point and she plays quite a typecast these days or at least because of her quite... I don't know if posh is the word that I want but like she's got a very... I'm going to say posh face. Like She's very sharp-edged with her cheeks and things like that. Like She's a very, very gorgeous woman. It was very interesting to see her in a role where we get to see her sort of like stretch and use the expanse of her acting I think is probably what I'm trying to get around to here is it was really really refreshing to see her used as the character rather than the well-known actor yeah and I'm not sure which one came first I think this one came first before Edge of Tomorrow but Emily Blunt really can play pretty much whatever part she wants and I think that's a real testament to her as an actor in that she can play a hardcore badass if she wants to. She can play Mary Poppins if she wants to, but she always has that level of self-awareness when it comes to her characters that it's never... Her characters are never blown out of proportion in that this film is a really good example of a female character written well and acted perfectly because she isn't anything more than she says she is. Exactly. And I think it's really shown in the way that she sticks to her guns throughout the movie. Like, there's never this moment of, like, immediate change, I suppose. Obviously, in the summary... It's talking about how her ethics are challenged. Kate as a character is incredibly by the book. And it's really refreshing that by the end of the movie, she's not shifted too much in her views. Like, obviously, she's done things that are against what we would assume are her internal code of ethics. But she's still... They're still her ethics. Like, her ethics themselves haven't been changed. Challenged, yes. Yeah. She's worked against them definitely but they're not changed she's still fundamentally the same person at the end of the film she doesn't go through this big sort of personality and like moral change yeah there's no big bridging arc exactly she's a woman who already knows who she is and she's in the profession that she's in because of the way that she is so it's interesting and really really nice to see that they keep that through line of yeah you're doing things that are probably against your by the book nature and your code of ethics but there's not much that you can do about it at this point except see it through yeah and i would say that her character is it's not stubborn for sure that's definitely the wrong word to use but she is convicted in her pursuit of justice and the right way to do things. Steadfast, almost. Steadfast, that's a good word for it. I think Josh Brolin's character, Matt Graver, is really fun to watch purely because he doesn't do things by the book, and that's purely because of his experience in Juarez, Mexico, and his experience in the position that he's in, where what he's doing definitely seems morally questionable and ethically icky but he still gets results a hundred percent and that's the thing where he what he's doing i think everyone could agree that he may not be the nicest guy there he certainly comes off as confident and cocky but also that's that makes him partially unlikable but you can't deny that he doesn't get 
Well, you can't deny that he gets results, because he gets results. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think the interesting part about that is I wouldn't even classify him as an anti-hero in oh, yeah, this he's not. specific movie. Really, I don't think there are any heroic types in no, this movie. No, there's no heroic... Well, there's yeah, there's no necessarily heroic characters, no stereotypically heroic characters for sure. No, there are people who are brave and who are doing things that you or I would probably think crazy or terrifying, yeah. but... There's an unlikable quality to almost all the characters, especially the more fleshed out characters, which is refreshing to see even your protagonists having negative traits. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's still very easy to like Kate Mesa and Emily Blunt's character just because she epitomizes so much of what audience want to see in a hero, basically. You know, by the book, justice-focused, for the greater good, and well, not for the greater good, but for the best moral outcome, for sure. But then also, she just doesn't get results. She doesn't get results as immediately as she could. Exactly. And there's a couple times through the movie... I've noticed that I even find myself, despite liking Kate more as a character, siding with characters like Matt or um, Alejandro. Yeah. Just because say something like, oh, don't do that, or I would, you know, I wouldn't if I were you. And Kate immediately does it, and you obviously know it's because of her convictions and it's because of her morals, but also... It's so annoying to watch, yeah. just as a third party who's obviously more aware. Because then it also just doesn't work out for her either. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It doesn't work out for her. And you can sort of tell by the way that these gentlemen say these words, especially because the dialogue is so natural. You can hear the underline of, that's already been tried, don't do it, you yeah. know. And she still does. And it kind of annoys me, but it's also very realistic that, you know, someone would be like, oh, I wouldn't do that if I were you. And you'd be like, "Mm, actually, fuck that. I'm going to do it because it's what I should be doing for it to not pan out because obviously they have more experience in that area, but are still coming off condescending. Like it's, it's very realistic. And I really, really love how alive these characters feel. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say just as a little like added point, Daniel Kaluuya's character, Reggie Wayne, because Emily Blunt's character starts to partially lean into this in that it'll allow things to start moving, or her attitude softens to the path that Matt Graver and Alejandro take, she's more inclined to deviate just so that they can get results, whereas Reggie Wayne is remains in the film for little parts of it, but he's always stubborn and strong in his convictions to the point where he almost serves as a roadblock in the story mm-hmm. because because he's so by the book he almost stops the progress to just understand what's going on and for them it's terrible because it's just an annoying stopping point in their progress but for the audience this is great because then it stops us from being too confused and so what I find really interesting is that all of these characters still complement the story in a way that allows the audience to still fully comprehend and understand the film. Mm, mm-hmm. And I, think I really that's like nicely done for sure. Yeah, no. To add on to that, this movie certainly doesn't hold your hand. It doesn't spoon feed you the information. It assumes that you're smart enough to figure it out from context clues. But in the moments where context clues aren't enough and the story understands that context clues wouldn't be enough, 
yeah. it uses the characters very well to continue the storyline. And like I said, like we've said, there's no exposition, there's no characters explaining anything particularly in this movie, or at least it doesn't feel like they're just giving you the plot through dialogue. It definitely didn't feel like that to me, but they still somehow managed to use, especially of course, through Reggie as a character, yeah. that hang on, what the hell's going on? take a step back I'm confused to allow the viewer a moment to catch up. To get to grips, yeah, absolutely. I think if we have any other points specifically, I always want to talk more about the cinematography, but we'll talk more about that in depth because we'll have time to do that. And Mm -hmm. I worry that the in-depth discussion will mostly be talking about the cinematography just because it is just so nicely done. But I think in our in-depth i might just ask you questions and then just listen (laughs) yeah that's that's all good we'll we'll do that but just i just want to get you on to your final thoughts so what are the last kind of things you're thinking about this film for our review the last thought just for this moment is of course definitely recommend watching this this is the review i really love the warm beige color palette with the sort of splashes blue that they use in this the color palette is so tailor fit for this film mm-hmm. that it just comes across as almost feeling like a natural image with the added benefit of the director or more likely the cinematographer's imagination sprinkled over the top and i think that's really really cool the color composition is done in a way so that it reinforces the visual motif and the visual literacy of the film without it being overbearing. I never think there was any point in the film where you're just like, oh god, these colours are glaring. This is definitely a film where they use more sort of soft, natural hues to create a really, really striking visual. And I enjoy the fact that they're using that more like sandy, beigey yellow with like those hints of almost faded or sky blue like there's never really a very harsh you know type of electric blue there's never really a neon yellow they definitely hit more in the natural faded areas for their visuals and it's just so striking yeah it's really really nicely done but with that said what did you want to give it as a rating for this review? As a rating, I actually gave this 8.5 out of 10 water cooler moments, just because this is a very visually intense movie that will need your undivided attention. It's still well worth the watch, despite the fact that it is one of those ones that you really have to be paying attention to, which I know for some people, myself included, is incredibly hard to do. Well, well worth it for this movie. Yeah, For me, I gave it a 9 out of 10 water cooler moments. This is a visually stunning movie. It's hard to criticize it in that regard. So much of the storytelling is done through visual literacy, which is incredible. As someone who idolizes cinematography and looks up to the idea of creating beautiful compositions through visual means as opposed to telling the audience, I think this film does what I ideally want perfectly. So. I gave it a 9 out of 10. The only reason I didn't give it a 10 out of 10 is just purely because if I did, it would feel very fanboyish. And also, the film's not necessarily perfect. It's amazing, but it's not perfect, of course. It's a two-hour film. It still does have to provide exposition in certain ways. 
and it doesn't necessarily provide the audience with opportunities to catch up either so if you miss points then you're going to miss them and you'll have to rewatch it so in that regards that's why i didn't give it a perfect 10 out of 10 but i would do if if i could do basically <laughs> if it wasn't going to make you come off as a very very large fanboy yes <laughs> exactly Alrighty. well that concludes our review of course if you want to hear us talk in depth about the film we'll be doing that also so check out that episode too you can find will at gray mouse inc on twitter and i'm nexatai on twitter i might just say i am will underscore mortlock on instagram but with that said if you want to hear my pointless research which is a little more cinematography based this week Go check out the in-depth review, but watch the film first. Other than that, we'll see you then.